Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I love some of the lines of that, of that song when it talks about how once our, once our faith becomes sight. And uh, our church has, over the years, just grown to love and adore Frank. And, of course, Frank was, was in his 90s. And uh, this, past, this past Friday morning, his faith became sight. He went into the presence of God and was ushered in and saw Jesus as Savior. And, and so we've been praying for Danielle, or excuse me, uh, Diane and the family and ministering to them. And uh, we are uh, working with them. We'll, we'll keep you updated on when we can have a celebration uh, service here. Uh, there's so much still to, uh, to plan on their, on their side with their family. But um, I, am, I, I, I rejoice in this. Um, it's, yes, sorrowful, and we're walking with the family and ministering to them. I uh, presented them with a beautiful bouquet of gorgeous flowers on behalf of the church, and they're so appreciative um, of that. And uh, with, with Frank's latter, literally latter years, uh, in, in the middle of COVID, it was difficult. In the last months, um, I know many of you, you, you wanted to be able to see him, but that was uh, just not something that uh, could happen. But uh, they made that, that, that last attempt, I think it was about a month and a half ago, a little bit before Easter, and, uh, and it was such a joy to be able to see them. And uh, I'll keep you updated, but I'm thankful for, for, for faith that we have that is not visual, right, but someday it's going to be. And so please pray for Diane and pray for uh, the children uh, as they are uh, mourning, of course, uh, the homegoing of Frank. But then also there's just a spirit of uh, of relief and a spirit of celebration when you've uh, lived a, a life like that. And so take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number one. It's going to take a few minutes before we uh, get to our actual text. But obviously today is a special day. And it's a special day because we come together like this as a family. It's like it's a Redwood family. And those of you that are guests, we're so delighted that you would spend a Sunday with us. And I hope that you have felt like, you know, it already is, uh, is like a family. Uh, but we, we gather together uh, for two primary reasons today. And the first primary reason is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that we've done that and we will continue to do that. But the other is, of course, to honor our mothers. Both are lifetime tasks. And neither can be confined to a one hour and 15, one hour and 30 minute uh, gathering together on a Sunday morning. I must be honest, though, I struggled somewhat this week to put together a Mother's Day sermon because I do not suppose that anything has, that there's anything that can't be said or that hasn't already been said regarding our mothers. And it's hard to do it maybe in an eloquent enough or an expressive enough to articulate the true value of a mother. Few things are more powerful than the tears of a mom. They literally alter lives. They, they, they change directions of when a mother is crying or when a, a mother is broken maybe over one of their children. And it has the power uh, of just to, 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 alter, to alter someone's path in their life. The prayers, as I already mentioned, of a mother are indeed powerful. Few things are more tender in life, more loving than a mother's hug or a compassionate hug. 
and, uh, and, and just, just an embrace of, of a mom. And so my, my heart goes out to those that their mom is passed on. And you don't have that today. But someone once pointed out that the near, of the nearly 70 kings of France, only three were truly loved by the people that they served because three were the only ones that were reared by their own moms as opposed to uh, maybe a guardian or a tutor. There's nothing like that motherly touch, that just what they bring. What Napoleon said may just be true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, he said. So let me pose this morning a hypothetical question for you. Are you okay with that? It is hypothetical, but let me, let me pose it for you, and I want you to, I want you to ponder it. And this really could apply for all. It doesn't have to be just uh, the, the moms in the room. But, but, but predominantly, if you had to choose someone else to raise your son or daughter, who would you choose and why? What do you think of that? If, if you had to choose someone else to raise your children, who would it be? If you were looking for the the perfect mother to leave your one and only child with, who would she be? Would she be wealthy? Would she maybe have other children? Would she be famous? Would she be well-educated? Mature? Maybe experienced? Like you're thinking, hey, this is your child. someone Someone that's experienced? What would she be like? Now, this indeed is not a hypothetical question for God because God did have to choose an individual that would physically give birth to his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the son that would save the world. He had to choose a mother, a mother who was going to be, excuse me, responsible for rearing God clothed in human flesh. As the mother of Jesus, Mary is probably the best known of any other woman in world history and has had a place of honor since those days of the manger there in Bethlehem. She was literally hand-selected by the God of the universe to bring the Son of God, our Savior, into the world and to nurture and to care for him until the day of his death on the cross. Can I put it this way? She is the Michael Jordan of motherhood. Michael Jordan is considered kind of the goat. That's debatable. I'm a LeBron James fan here. So, okay, y'all are mad. It's fine, okay? But just think about it. She's like the Michael Jordan of motherhood by the standard by which parental excellence is measured. But before you are crushed by the weight of that standard... Let's look a little bit closer into the life of Mary. She's esteemed heavily, absolutely, but but let's look a little bit closer into her life. And my prayer is that you will actually find great encouragement this morning. What was her life like? What can we learn from her? How do you experience and reflect on, on what really what every godly mother has ever been since then? I think of, first of all, her surprise. Mary was living a simple, 
small town, secluded life when suddenly everything changed. Mary was shoved from the shadows into the spotlight when an angel appeared and said, look at verse number 30 of Luke 1. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Mary at this time, she, I realize it's not Christmas, but let's just look at the story anyways. She must have been dumbfounded because all her real, her response could be like, hey, hey this is impossible. This cannot be possible. I'm still a virgin. Like that, that was just what, <coughs> excuse me, what she could muster up. Can you imagine her surprise? Can you imagine her shock? Keep in mind that Mary was probably about 15 years old when this happened. You think kids grow up fast now? Back in these days, by the time they were 17, 18, 19, they would normally have a couple little rugrats running around chasing their ankles. It's crazy. And so we think they, they grow up fast now. Wow, did they have to grow up then? She must have been terribly overwhelmed by all of this. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by what God has called you to? Whether we're male, female, father, mother, whatever the story, whatever walk we're at, I feel sometimes so overwhelmed by what God has called me to and what wants what he wants me to do but motherhood wow to shepherd that little child and then it probably hits her I'm not married had to have it just you know she's like well first of all this can't be possible there's, there's no way I, I, I'm still a virgin and then all of a sudden it's like hey I'm not married how am I going to explain this I'm going to explain this to my parents How am I going to explain this to Joseph? Can you imagine the pain in his eyes when she comes to him and says, hey, I'm I'm great with child. Would you believe it? Joseph didn't. Joseph was ready to give her a bill of divorcement. We're like, we are done. He's getting ready to send her packing. Obviously, the Lord came to him by way of a a vision and a dream, coming to him saying, no, 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 wait a minute. No, this is also, this is true. Her parents, her parents must have kicked her out of the house or might have wanted to. She did live with Elizabeth for several months, and so we don't know all of the dynamics of that. It just takes two little words to change your life forever. You're pregnant. Changes everything. Once you've heard them, or in these days, once you see them, right, that little plus sign, once you see that, your life is never the same. When Mary found out about her unplanned pregnancy, she did not see it as an inconvenience. She did not look for a way out. God forbid, thankfully, she didn't sneak off to the nearest abortion clinic. And obviously this hits home right now with kind of the Supreme Court um, leaking of what their potential vote will be on Roe versus Wade later uh, th- th- this summer. But she wasn't looking for a way out. She saw her pregnancy as for what it was. It was a gift from God. In fact, Mary actually wrote a song about the whole situation. Look at verse 46 of Luke 1. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. 
And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Do you see how looking into the story of Mary, that it shouldn't put this undue weight upon your shoulder? Each of you are shepherding or you have shepherded that child as a gift from the Lord. I love what James Keller once said. Every mother has the breathtaking, I love this, breathtaking privilege of sharing with God in the creation of new life. Let me read that again. Every mother has the breathtaking privilege of sharing with God in the creation of new life. And when God places a child or children in your arms, he will for you, his will for you is to bring them up in a home where they will know God and to know his amazing love. And that's what our hearts are, right? That's what your hearts are. And so rather than this Michael Jordan, so to speak, of motherhood in Mary, don't let that bring some pressure. Well, I could never be Mary. Actually, she was just simply shocked. She was completely surprised in her life. But then also, I believe you'll connect with this next kind of look into the life of Mary. I want you to notice her service. What amazes me about Mary is the way that she accepted the angel's announcement. After he explained to her that nothing is impossible with God and that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, notice what Mary's response was in verse 38 of Luke 1. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I'm sure Mary had no idea what her service to the Lord would entail. No parent really does, right? You can plan for it. You can read books, but you don't know necessarily what it will fully entail. But she certainly found out along the way. And what we cannot forget is that Mary not only gave birth to Jesus, but she mothered him from childhood all the way to adulthood. And she did everything as a devoted mother could do for her son, whom she knew was no ordinary boy, was no ordinary just human being. He was special. This came to her via the the angel, and then the Holy Spirit of God came upon her. Now, I know what maybe you're thinking. And Jesus was perfect. You know, Mary, she, she had it easy. She had a little boy that was always obedient, always. Parents, can you imagine a always obedient child? Can I get an amen there? Just, just imagine it for me with a, for a minute. Never having to tell your two-year-old twice or your 16-year-old 20 times. I have a 16-year-old and I haven't had to tell her anything 20 times. Maybe 30, but no, just kidding. That's really what a mother wants on Mother's Day. Forget the flowers, forget the chocolate, forget the meal. Give me perfect children. And yes, that is indeed what Mary had in Jesus. But before you start thinking that Mary had it easy, think again. Mary had a job of constantly protecting her son. From the very moment that Jesus was born, his life was in danger. The wicked King Herod was on the throne and he sought to destroy Jesus, causing Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt. Do you remember that? So from the, right off the bat, 
She had to protect and, and isolate Jesus. Mary protected Jesus from Herod and from so many other things that would want to hurt him. What mother doesn't understand that? Protecting your children, guarding your children, kind of being the, the queen of that home, of making sure that, that, that your children are protected. But she also protected his identity. See, although Mary knew who Jesus was, and although she knew who Jesus was going to become, she could not tell anyone about what she knew. All this wonderful, this supernatural things that she knew about her baby boy. Look at chapter 2 real quick. Turn over to Luke 2, verse 19. It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's after the shepherds have already come and it's just all this amazing things happen. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The Greek word you hear, used here for pondered is a word that means an intense, protective keeping. I learned that this week and I was fascinated by it. I'd always just kind of thought, oh, you know, she just, she pondered these things. She, she, she thought through these things. No, 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 she protected these things. She guarded them, protected her son, again, who can relate. What mom in here can't relate with protecting, protecting their children, protecting uh, the, the, their identity and, and guarding them and guiding them. And who would forget that little, again, humanly, let me put it this way. That little stunt that Jesus pulled at the temple. Remember that? Remember Jesus is 12. They come back, you know, and it's just, it's what, it's the pilgrimage, the annual pilgrimage to, uh, to Jerusalem. And 12-year-old Jesus, again, let's, let's humanize this, decides that he's going to just stay a couple extra days. And, you know, sure, he had... He had good intentions, absolutely. He was trying to be closer to his heavenly father, but you know that little innocent Mary was terrified. She didn't understand all that. Any parent who's ever lost their boy or little girl in a department store can kind of understand how they would have been with him. You know, where'd you go? And if you've never seen The Chosen, let me give you another plug for that. Season one, episode five, it kind of has this interaction. It's awesome. And we can understand that. I can definitely understand this. A couple years ago, we were down in San Diego at um, having lunch with my parents at the Hotel Del Coronado down in San Diego. And we had just finished a beautiful lunch uh, with them. And it was afterwards, they have like this gorgeous kind of old uh, kind of lobby in the hotel. I know that they've renovated a lot of it, but they've kept a lot of the nostalgia to it. And we had had lunch and we were all kind of around the um, kind of the check-in area. It's this big lobby. And one of us, I think at lunch, had referenced, I wonder what a night at this hotel costs. And I had looked up in years past. It's outrageous. But I was like, hey, let's go ahead and look. And so Blake, there's like this long check-in kind of side area to the check-in area that has like this little, this little like just kind of shelf area. And he had one of his cars and he was playing on this shelf area. And I just pull out my phone. I don't have my phone on me, but I just pulled it out. I'm like, all right, hey, let's just see how much these rooms are a night. And I'm just kind of scrolling through here. I finally find, you know, one of the rooms and I look over Sarah's like, why these are just crazy how expensive it was. And then we turn over to the right. 
and Blake's not there. And so you're in this big, huge lobby and we're starting to kind of look all around and Blake is literally nowhere to be found. And so me being the man of the house, I started to cry. No, I tried to keep everything in, in, contained, you know? Tried to just keep like, all right, all right, Sarah, you go that way. And then my mom was still there. I, I, I had no clue where my dad was. I'm kind of giving a hint of what really happened there. Uh, but I didn't know where my dad was. And so Danielle, hey, you go with mom. And we begin to just scurry out. Well, the Hotel Del Coronado is right on the beach. And it's filled with hundreds of people out there. And you start thinking, yikes, this is scary. So I run out to the beach and I'm screaming. I won't do it for your ears sake. Blake, Blake, as loud as I can. Trying to, hey, you know, maybe you'd hear me. And I'm just scouring. There's so many people out there. My mind obviously goes to the worst. He's already on a boat shipped down to Mexico. I'm never going to see him again. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. Trafficked for the rest of his life. And that's a horrendous lifestyle. And we need to pray and work to help those that, are, that, that have ever been caught in something like that. And so your mind's going through that. And so obviously I don't see out there and there's this massive courtyard in this kind of hotel area that's kind of open air, leads to all different kinds of hallways. And so I'm listening as quietly as I can to maybe he's screaming or yelling if he's being dragged into a room. I can't find him. Multiple minutes are going by. And you know minutes are hours and weeks and years, right? You know what I'm talking about? And then we come in and Sarah's bawling. She's talking to some authorities. We still haven't found him. I come in and I'm trying to keep my composure the best that I can. And we're talking, where, where, where's, where's dad? And all of a sudden they have this old school elevator. If, you, if you're ever down to San Diego, go to the Dell, super cool elevator, just comes up and Blake has this massive Lego set <laughs> with the biggest grin on his face, like, um, actually, I got a little bit out of the story. I'm sorry. I wasn't quite there yet, or my dad didn't see me yet. And he sees Sarah bawling, and my dad thinks something happened to me. So super innocent. They were down in like this, um, like downstairs, like mall area, which I went down there, went into every single store. Somehow I missed them. We were looking through that. Imagine three days of that. Now you know what Mary and Joseph felt like. Protective, right? Like what, what, what mom wouldn't be like, no, 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 get, get, get my babies close to me, whether they're 12 years old or, or older. That must have been the second worst experience in Mary's young life. We'll take a look at the first in a minute. And do not forget, Jesus was not, was not the only child. Mary did not remain a perpetual virgin as some religious groups falsely teach. Jesus had several brothers and sisters. Mary had a household of rugrats and ankle biters. Jesus may have been an obedient child, but that does not mean that there were others that were not in that home. And so you indeed can relate with Mary. She served her family well. Do you ever see how looking into, do you see how looking into Mary's life actually does feel normal? It's not easy to be a mother, is it? It's hard work. A mother's job is never done. When you became a mother, you became a professional cook. You became a referee, a maid, a, a dietitian, a teacher, a seamstress, a counselor, a, diplom, a, a disciplinarian, a coach, a taxi driver, and so many other things. 
and you do it all and you don't get paid for it. You moms are awesome. Maybe you were surprised when God would allow you to be that mom for the very first time or you, were, you realized that you are now giving a life of service. Service. But it also comes with great sacrifice. See, unfortunately, Mary's story is not entirely sunshine and roses. See, a dark cloud always kind of hovered over her son. And Mary knew it his entire life. Mary, Mary knew of this dark cloud. See, when Jesus was only eight days old, Joseph and Mary uh, took Jesus um, into the temple to have him circumcised according to the law. And a strange thing happened on that day. This old man by the name of Simon comes and begins to prophesy towards them about Jesus. Look at verse number 29 of Luke 2. He announces, Lord, now lettest thou my servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now, I would have been a little taken back if some stranger just kind of walks up to me and begins to talk to me about, you know, me and my baby. But she knew that Jesus was different. She knew that he was special, and so she allows this man to come, and obviously she knew that he was the Son of God, but that's not the particular thing that would have necessarily alarmed her. Because after he proclaims that, he's speaking to the Father, that you know, I, I have, I, I've now seen my salvation. I can now depart in peace. Then he turns to Mary, and listen to what he says to her in verse 34, and Simon blessed them. Simeon, excuse me, and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A soul, sword, was going to pierce her very soul. That's a bit of... Strange sounding, isn't it? I wonder how long she pondered that prophecy. I wonder how long she guarded that prophecy. I wonder how many times as she was thinking that her mind wandered to what exactly does that mean? Did this encounter flashed through her thoughts as she stood at the foot of the cross. Mary always knew that her son was special, but did she know that he would die for the sins of the entire world? What mother doesn't immediately relate to Mary with this look into her life? There is not a mother here that does not ponder the well-being of their children or that would not be willing to sacrifice for them. The great song that we sometimes sing, often it's in a special but Mark Lowry in his song, Mary, Did You Know? He verbalizes so well the, the potential questions that Mary would have had. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would 
calm the storm with his hands. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your baby boy, you kissed the face of God. Have you ever considered the thought, and I want you to this morning right now, that Mary had to stand there and watch her son die because of your sin and mine. What a sword piercing through her very own soul. Sacrificing it all, her son dying for you and for me. Can you imagine how horrible that must have been? I do not think that there are words to describe what Mary felt that day as she watched the soldiers nail her son to the cross to save you and to save me. What a sacrifice. Aren't you glad that God loves you that much? That he would institute this plan? Take this the right way. Mary's human. Mary's absolutely needing every bit her son's rescue from her own sin. But aren't you glad that she allowed it? Not that she really could have stopped it. Jesus was focused on that cross. It was for your sin and mine. Of course, every parent who has ever had to lay their child in the arms of Jesus knows something of the heartache that Mary undoubtedly felt. And our thoughts, and hear what I'm about to say, some of you know exactly I'm talking to you, our deep prayers are with you. Because you know this. Moms, you hold a special place in our spiritual family. Without you, none of us would actually be here physically, but I say spiritual family because without you, many of us most likely wouldn't be in this spiritual family because moms, you play a massive role. And so may God this morning look down upon you with favor the way he did Mary. And may each one of you feel your great sense of worth this morning because we want you to feel that way. The fact that you can empathize with her maybe shock or surprise and the, the way that she served her family and the way that she was willing to sacrifice. How many moms are willing to sacrifice for their kids? You do it on a daily basis. We just so often don't acknowledge you. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Savior, whether you're a mom, a dad, a son, or a daughter, we extend the invitation of Jesus to you. We extend what Christ did for you. He walked this earth 33 and a half years to voluntarily die on the cross. You say, ah, oh, he didn't voluntarily. Jesus said, they can't, they can't do this. I am laying my life down. Why? So I could take it up again three days later. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. And why did he do that? For your sin and my sin. So we invite you to Jesus today if you do not know him as your Savior. You call unto the Lord and you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that Christ came to die for that sin. And the Bible tells you that when you call upon, says when you call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. 
you can do that in your heart, literally right now. Trust him as your savior. Christian, moms are a big deal. And nobody ought to champion them more than we do. Nobody. I love what Mike said at the beginning of our service. God makes much of women. So not only is it moms, it's just women in general. All you got to do is look to some of the key, key moments in scripture. And often it's a woman there first, hearing the word first. God champions you. And we want to champion you also this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I thank you, Lord, for, Lord, this just unique look into really a Christmas story. But I pray that the moms in this room and the the many moms that will listen online, that, Lord, they're encouraged that a look into the life of Mary isn't a weight, isn't this just massive to-do list to be blessed like her. God, our hypothetical question of who would we allow to raise our children, most of us, if not all of us, probably wouldn't have picked Mary. Which makes motherhood that much special. That it's not something that we have to earn. That God, it's a gift. May we celebrate that gift and may we celebrate the women that are willing to serve and sacrifice God for our families. Lord, I pray that the, that the moms in this church and the moms that will get a phone call or uh, some form of communication today from their children, that they indeed would feel special. God, because we sure love them. Take a moment. Thank the Lord for your mom. And thank the Lord that Mary was willing to allow her son to be sacrificed for your sin.